Hi, I'm Lee Davis, attorney and owner of Lee Davis Law LLC here in Atlanta, Georgia. And this is The Legalist. Now typically on The Legalist, I try to explain complex legal concepts in ordinary, normal, everyday English so that everyone can understand what they might be. And today is no exception, except that I am also going to be playing amateur videographer. That is because I am currently observing social distancing recommendations due to the COVID-19 crisis, as are the professionals that normally help me with these things. So while this video hopefully will be informative, I can assure you it's not going to be the top-notch professional quality that you're normally used to on this show. However, I hope to offer some very valuable information about something that we might be seeing in the future, possibly near future. However, I hope to provide some valuable information about a legal concept that you might be hearing about in the near future with regard to the COVID-19 crisis, and that is martial law. There's two questions I want to answer today. First, what is martial law? And second, do we need to be afraid? I want to answer the second one first. Not necessarily. There's times when martial law is very helpful in keeping order and getting a community back on their feet. But then there's other times when it has been abused. So hopefully at the end of this video, you will understand that there are times when martial law could be helpful, but that we need to be vigilant and make sure that the second the need is over, so is the martial law. First, I want to address the question, what is martial law? Martial law is simply the replacement of civilian laws and possibly civilian government in favor of military law. In extreme cases, the government can be set aside and a military governor can be appointed, but these are pretty rare, certainly in the United States at least. There is one example that I will talk about in some detail a little bit later to try to explain why we need to be vigilant about this. But there are cases in which martial law can be very helpful in trying to maintain order and maintain discipline within a certain area that maybe has gone off the rails a little bit. So let's just jump into it. First, the concept of martial law is actually derived from something called the suspension of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus is a right of any person in the United States to seek redress from a court of law for any violation of constitutional rights or civil rights. And the Constitution says that there are only three times when the right of habeas corpus may be suspended. That is in times of invasion, in times of rebellion, and times when the public safety demand it. In our case, what we're talking about now, what I think is probably most applicable to what we're looking at, is for the public safety in light of the COVID-19 crisis. And for our purposes today, martial law can actually be applied by two different levels of our government. First, of course, is the President of the United States. President may apply martial law in a given area of the United States or the entire United States if it were so needed. A governor can also declare martial law for any given area or the entire area of his or her given state. So martial law can actually be applied from two different directions and possibly in some forms even on a much more smaller local level such as a police occupation. 
which is what we had in New Orleans a few years ago during Hurricane Katrina. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But before we go much farther, I want to make clear that the concept of calling in the National Guard is not the same thing as martial law. The National Guard is frequently called up to assist in disaster recovery. This does not mean that martial law is being imposed. It merely means that the National Guard is there to try to help keep order. Although there may be some semblances of martial law, such as curfews or keeping people off of the streets in order to keep the streets and or the people safe, depending on what the circumstances might be. But it's been quite a while since martial law has been declared on a wide scale anywhere in this country. So let's discuss the times when martial law might be used. The first is in the time of an invasion. I don't think we really need to worry about this one too much. Uh, we haven't had an invasion in this country since the War of 1812. But it is nonetheless something that martial law can be used for. If Canada were to invade North Dakota, for instance, the area around the front would probably fall under martial law. That is, civilians might be enlisted to help in the war effort. They could build barricades, they could help distribute food and supplies. They could become sort of soldiers in waiting that can run along and help the military stay on top of the enemy in the given area. But this is generally localized around the front or around the area where the invasion is occurring. And again, I don't think we really need to worry about our neighbors to the north or the south invading the United States, although you never know. The second time is in time of rebellion. And in rebellion, things like, say, the Civil War, martial law was declared in a great many instances in a great many places. And it was applied in places, say, Baltimore, where habeas corpus was suspended because Abraham Lincoln felt like there were a lot of dissidents in Baltimore, and Baltimore was just too close to Washington, D.C. for his tastes. So during the war, he suspended the right of habeas corpus and allowed the government, through its troops stationed in Baltimore, to imprison people it felt like might be a danger to the government. Do I agree with this? No, not necessarily, but then again, I wasn't president during the United States Civil War either, so it's hard for me to say whether it was the right or the wrong thing to do. I can say that today, if President Trump decided to declare martial law in a city somewhere in the United States, I would probably look pretty sideways at it, because it seems like a concept that we've probably moved beyond. And unless somebody is staging an uprising somewhere seeking to overthrow the government, I just don't think it's necessary for times of rebellion, because our rebellions are likely not going to go anywhere anymore. I should note that when martial law is declared for invasion or for rebellion, typically any violations of the law are heard by a military tribunal, which applies the military code of justice. This is important because the military code of justice does not contain all of the constitutional rights that we civilians have come to know and love. Things like the right to question your accusers or to testify or not testify on your own behalf. A military tribunal is a tough place. They want to get to the bottom of the story and they want to do it in an expeditious fashion. That doesn't always mean that you get to do everything that you would be able to do in a civilian court. So as you might imagine, with a military governor and military courts 
a declaration of martial law in any given area is a very serious thing for the civilian population, and life is going to be very different under martial law in those circumstances. I'd like to give you an example of when martial law was both appropriate and, in my opinion, inappropriate in a given circumstance, and that is when martial law was declared in the territory of Hawaii in December of 1941 after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Obviously, on Oahu, where Pearl Harbor was located, society was in shambles. There was widespread damage from the attack, there were thousands of injuries and casualties, and the supply lines were in a shambles. The entire civilian government was essentially in ruins. And somebody needed to step forward and act to keep society under control. And a military governor was appointed. And in that instance, I would say that martial law was a necessary evil. It was necessary and it did some good in getting things back on track. However, the three-year period that followed December of 1941, when martial law remained in place in Hawaii, is an example of what I would say is an abuse or the wrong reason for martial law. The driving force behind the three-year extended period of martial law in Hawaii was driven by the fact that 27% of the population of Hawaii was of Japanese ancestry. Some were still citizens of Japan, some were United States citizens, but just had Japanese ancestors. And there was fear about their loyalty to the United States. So for three years, a really difficult period of martial law was imposed on the territory of Hawaii. This period of martial law in the Hawaiian Islands for the three years following the Pearl Harbor attack is perhaps the most heavy-handed use of martial law by the United States government against its own people, with the only possible exception being the South immediately following the end of the Civil War. In Hawaii, the army took control of every facet of civilian life. A military governor was appointed. It was the commanding general of the army that was stationed there in Hawaii. And the military governor took control of everything. Distribution of food, operation of industry, residents were subject to curfews, freedom of the press was non-existent, as articles were subject to review and censorship, and even things like distribution of food and operating conditions in factories were taken over by the army. This led to a lot of heavy-handed and uneven application of laws and treatment of the civilian population. One example is that the army took control of all of the labor force locking in wages, locking in workers into jobs, such that the workers couldn't leave even if they wanted to. So imagine if your job, where you are right now, was taken over by a military governor who said, whatever you're making right now, you're going to make for the next three years, and you can't quit. You have to answer to me, and you're not allowed to leave. That would be pretty rough, but that's what happened to the citizens of Hawaii. In addition, all residents of Hawaii were fingerprinted and were required to carry around identification and produce it upon request at all times. If this conjures up images of Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union, it should. 
those societies were the living embodiment of martial law. So yeah, we should be scared and afraid of that type of martial law. Luckily, there are now laws in place through judicial decisions following World War II and several acts of Congress which make presidential utilization of martial law subject to congressional approval. And this stopgap measure is both needed and useful in protecting us from overzealous politicians who decide they want to control a given area and every aspect of society. The other reason that martial law may be declared is for the public safety. And here you will find a lot more examples of how martial law has been declared in the United States over our history. Martial law was declared during the Whiskey Rebellion when George Washington was president. Martial law can also be declared during natural disasters or things that just have a tendency to cause society to break down. For instance, the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 saw a period of martial law during the aftermath and rebuilding of Chicago. The Great Earthquake and Fire in San Francisco in 1906 is another example of martial law used when society was severely damaged. And again, it was used to help get San Francisco back on its feet and rebuilt following the devastation of the earthquake and more importantly, the terrible fires that followed. This type of martial law is what I think we'll probably hear more of in the near future and maybe even see implemented in certain places throughout the United States due to the COVID-19 crisis. There is, in my opinion, a legitimate need to have some sort of control over a society that is straining under the weight of a financial crisis and a health crisis at the same time. I can foresee situations in which the populace will maybe get out of control in a given area and brief periods of martial law may be necessary and even beneficial to get things back in control again. In this instance, to me, it would be preferable to have someone there imposing order and making sure that food and supplies are distributed evenly and fairly and expeditiously rather than having riots and fights and violence over food and toilet paper at the local grocery stores. Obviously, things have to get pretty bad for this to happen. However, I do think you will be hearing some people talk about whether martial law needs to be declared in given areas. If I were to guess, I would think that maybe New York City could be on the verge of some type of martial law given how the infection has spread so rapidly and so thoroughly throughout that society. Soon enough, I think you'll see problems with the supply chain, getting groceries and food and medical supplies into New York City. And yeah, we might need the National Guard to impose some form of martial law in order to make sure that things get done properly and expeditiously. While it is undoubtedly scary to think about the military moving in and taking control of some place like New York City in the year 2020, I think it would probably be preferable to having armed bandits marauding around the city, stealing and taking whatever they want at the point of a gun. Not to mention if strict quarantine needs to be applied in an area like New York, I think the military is going to be the one that has to impose that strict quarantine. Of course, all of this comes with the proviso that martial law needs to end the second it is no longer needed. 
because if it stays too long, it's going to lead to abuse. So if martial law is declared somewhere, whether it's New York City or somewhere else, we all need to be watching and we need to be calling on our government to end that period of martial law as soon as things are back in order and control has been reestablished. Do I trust our government? No more than I absolutely have to, but maintaining order and the public health is the only legitimate purpose of an elected government. And to me, failing to do so is equally as repugnant as declaring martial law. They're two sides of the same coin. If you fail on one side, you fail on the other. And to me, sometimes it's absolutely necessary. So I think it is our elected officials' job to make sure that the peace and health of society is maintained. And if that means declaring martial law to make sure that that happens, so be it. But it is also on our shoulders as citizens to make sure that we watch over our elected officials and make sure that power is not abused. So in other words, if martial law is declared, we all need to be keeping a very close and skeptical eye on our government to make sure that it doesn't become a permanent thing, or even three years like it was in Hawaii. I know some of you are probably looking at me sideways right now thinking, what on earth is he talking about, that martial law would be preferable? Well, strangely enough, the one instance that I can think of where martial law would have helped the situation was Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans in the aftermath of the hurricane. Following Hurricane Katrina, you may recall that things in New Orleans got out of hand very quickly. And it's understandable. The people who were left there were cut off from the outside world. They had no means of communicating. They had no electricity. They had no water. They had, in many instances, no roofs over their heads. Their houses were flooded. And in that circumstance, I think it is easy for people to wonder whether people on the outside know what is happening on the inside. And when that happens, people start to panic. And that is when martial law is probably appropriate, in my opinion. I think martial law in New Orleans would have been preferable over what they did do, which was a police state occupation of New Orleans. I don't think it's a good idea to have members of a society ruling with an iron fist over other members of that same society, especially when those people are wearing a uniform of the government and imposing a form of martial law without an actual declaration. And I just don't think it's a good idea to do so with members of the same society. In New Orleans, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, I think martial law would have been vastly preferable to the police state occupation that took place. And I do think it was a dereliction of duty by both the governor of Louisiana and our president at the time. So if something like that were to happen again during the COVID-19 crisis, I think martial law would probably be the right thing to do, again, with strict oversight by the citizens. So I hope this video has helped you understand a little bit about what martial law is and how we could be seeing it at some point in the future, or at least hearing about it at some point in the future. And I hope that it has helped to allay some fears that you might have about it. It can be good, it can be bad, it can be abused like anything else. But law and order is almost always preferable to marauding gangs. And if it need be that the Army or the National Guard has to come out and restore order in an area that is losing it, okay. 
but I'm going to be there watching, and I ask all of you to be there watching to make sure that it ends the second it is no longer needed. And speaking of ending, that's all I have for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Legalist, and here's hoping, as I'm sure we all are, that this crisis ends before all of us have to start playing Amateur Barber, which is not too far away for me after I finish playing Amateur Videographer. If you like this video, please hit the like or subscribe button down below, and you can always look me up on social media at Lee Davis Law with any questions or comments you might want to pose. And until next time, I hope you stay safe, stay inside, stay home, and let's all get through this together. Thank you.